Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning. Wonderful to be with you all this morning. Um, for those of you who know us, we host spaces called The Lighthouse, uh, where we gather teams together to serve those on the margins in different ways. And at a recent uh, team leaders lunch, once a month we get together as, as our team leaders, and at a recent team leaders lunch, we put out the question to the team, what injustice makes you angry? What injustice makes you angry? And then we just spent time going around the table talking about it. And it was fascinating. You know, we had everything from, you know, human trafficking makes me really angry to a rude waiter. Um, you know, there's, there's spectrums on there. There's things, obviously, there are, are injustices in the world that we know we ought to be angry about. But there are definitely things that just press a button for us. That, that just a, a fire ignites within us. And there's just this like, whoa, that comes up. Um, I wonder for you what that is. And so as we took time as a team to go around the table and talk a bit about it and just ask, what is that? What is it that presses a button? And it doesn't have to be like the right answer, but just what is it that, that kind of grabs your attention, that's an injustice that makes you angry. I thought it'd be fun just to take a couple of minutes to do that now. So why don't you chat to the people around you, someone next to you or behind you or whatever, uh, take a couple of minutes and talk about what are those things that make you angry. Go for it. Okay. So my guess is from... From the loud conversation going on there, there might just be one or two things that wind you up, yeah, that get you angry. Injustices in the world. Um, I want to take just a little bit of time to look at Matthew 21, just a few verses there where we find Jesus getting really angry about an injustice. So this is Matthew 21, 12 to 15. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So here's the question this morning. What is the injustice that Jesus was so angry about? What is the injustice there? In, in Mark's version where, where Jesus is quoting Isaiah saying, my house will be called a house of prayer. He, uh, Mark quotes the slightly longer version of that text that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, but you're making it a den of robbers. And, um, you know, you may have heard 
um, sermons on that before, and maybe it's about Sunday trading being wrong, or you know, maybe it's about selling books in the lobby of church or something like that. You know, what is it that Jesus is getting so angry about here? Well, I'd like to suggest that the answer is in the outcome of what Jesus does. So what's the outcome there of Jesus getting angry with these people, turning over the tables, driving out the people who were trading, buying and selling there? Well, the answer is, it says the blind and the lame came to him there and he healed him. The answer is that the children started running around shouting this revelation of who Jesus was. You see, Jesus wanted the people who were on the margins, on the outside, to come into this space and experience who God was. But it was being filled with something else. Wonderful things started to happen in that space because out of Jesus' anger at the injustice of that space being occupied by something that it wasn't designed for, People came and got healed. The ritually unclean who weren't allowed into the temple came into that space and got healed. The children started running it round. They felt at home in that space that was being dominated by something that was self-serving in people's worship. And that is the kind of space that Jesus is passionate about creating for people who are on the margins, people who aren't inside, who aren't in the inner courts. Jesus is passionate about reaching them. Now, let me just take a step back and explain a bit of the history of this context, because if you're not familiar with it, it, it'll really help make sense of why this was such a problem to Jesus in this setting. See, the temple at Jesus' time was really created in zones, there were these concentric circles of access. So right in the center was the Holy of Holies, the, the place where God's presence dwelt. And then the next circle outside of that, the next zone, was for the priests alone. Only they could enter that zone. And uh, they were consecrated and set apart, lived very sort of pure lives, and they could go in that zone. The next zone outside of that was called the Court of the Israelites, where men were allowed to go. Jewish men could go in and worship. And in their culture, they were, they were just a step up. They were a step further in that they could go in there. And then outside of that was the Court of Women, where the women could go in, Jewish women, believers could go in and worship. And right on the outside was a court called the Court of the Gentiles. And this was a space where anyone could come and just watch people worshiping, see what was happening from a distance. Here were these inner courts arranged for the believers, those who understood the values and had consecrated their lives to God, were living in a way that was oriented towards God. But there was this space that had been created in the temple courts where those who hadn't been born into that, hadn't been educated into that, hadn't conformed their lives towards that yet, weren't Jewish believers part of that inner circle. They could come and see what was happening there. And Jesus was passionate about that happening. 
Except here's what had happened historically. The Jewish system of worship was to bring offerings to God for sins. And so they would bring animals, you know, uh, doves, lambs, bulls, all sorts of things to worship, to, uh, to sacrifice as part of their worship. But as the Jewish people had been dispersed, it became a really long journey to come back. And the idea was you would bring your own animals with you. You would raise a lamb and bring it with you to make an offering. But if you lived hundreds and hundreds of miles, it was quite a, a practical mission to not only journey and pilgrimage to Jerusalem to make this offering, but to bring all these offerings with you. And so the people of the time devised a system that the priests decided this would be an acceptable compromise. You come to Jerusalem and actually buy the animals there that you're going to sacrifice. That'll work. But in needing to address that, they were like, where could we do that? We need a space for people to exchange their currencies into temple currency and buy these animals that have been prepared for sacrifice. Well, we're looking around the courts, the temple, and we're looking for a convenient space where we could set this up. And what had happened was they were doing such a terrible job of evangelism, of inviting outsiders in to come and see what worship looked like that the gentles court a gentiles court was just this empty space so they were like oh look here's a convenient space nobody ever goes there nothing happens there let's set up our trading place there where you can get your animals and so it became this place that was just serving the people who were already on the inside making their worship more convenient and Jesus comes into that and he says, what are you doing? This space here is not just to serve you and make your worship. You're already on the inside. You're already richly pure. Why are you using this space? This is the space that is for people to come and experience something of God who are on the outside. So he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The heart of God, the heart of Jesus is to have a space where anyone can come and pray, talk to God, encounter who he is. That is the priority of Jesus. We see it in Luke 15, don't we, with the Father's welcome, where we see the Son who's, who's walked away from everything, feels totally um, disqualified, being able to come in, and the Father is waiting there with open arms, running towards him. Jesus says, spaces like that where people can walk in and there are just open arms running towards them. Those are spaces I care about. And so Jesus, meek, mild, kind, loving, gets really angry when he sees spaces like that being used for something else. To make space for people to experience the goodness of God is his priority. At the Lighthouse, we talk a lot about Psalm 34, verse 8. It simply says this, Taste and see that God is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We're passionate about spaces where people can just come and taste. Just come and observe. 
to see what God is like. We're not asking you to step right in, to, you know, kind of go through those different levels of belief and, and all of that. We want you to come and, and, and just observe and discover what it's like to find refuge in him. As a church, we are committed to creating spaces where people can do that taste test. No pressure, no hoops to jump through. Just come and experience how good God is. I love Psalm 36, 7 to 8. It says, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from the river of your delights. That is the heart of God, wanting everyone, all humanity, to come in and to just taste, to drink, to experience this abundance of God towards them. Come and see. Come and stand in that safe space and just see what it's like. I'm going to lavish you with my love in that space. Jesus was passionate about space for those on the margins, those on the outside. The, the, the lame, the blind, the unclean, they weren't allowed in. But Jesus wanted them to come and taste his goodness, to experience healing. As a church, we're committed to spending loads of our time, loads of our money, loads of our energy on those spaces. Spaces for people with different values, different beliefs, different backgrounds and life experiences. Spaces where they can come in. And so that's what we do through things like the lighthouse. But, you know, we can create those spaces anywhere. It's one of the things I love about healing on the streets. You know, teams, even from this church, go out into the high street and create these safe zones where anybody walking down the street can step in to a place of acceptance and welcome. We'd love to just pray for you right here, right now. Because God's house is, is for all nations. It's a house of prayer for everyone. It's a space of interaction for anyone and everyone. We had, when I was involved in healing on streets in Woking, um, I remember one Saturday, a family wheeling a guy up in a wheelchair. And they said he, he was seriously ill with cancer and could hardly walk. Would we pray for him? Well, Absolutely, it would be our delight to do that. So we prayed for him, and he thanked us and went away. And uh, we, at the time, we were only going out in the streets once a month. The next month, they were back again, wheeling him along in the wheelchair. We prayed for him again, thanked us, went away. The next month, he was back again. We prayed for him, thanked us. And before he left, we said, could I just ask, why do you keep coming back? And they said, well... You know, we don't go to church, we're not believers, but we've just experienced every time you pray for him, it's not like the cancer's gone, but he feels so much more energy, feels so much better. 
So we just keep coming back every time you're here. We're like, wow, that's wonderful. But do you know that we're a local church and we're around like every Sunday morning. You could come every week and get prayer. You don't have to save up this opportunity once a month. They were like, really? Is that possible? We're like, yeah, we'll meet tomorrow morning. Come. So the first Sunday they turn up wheel him in in his wheelchair sure enough we pray for him he feels better leaves the next week comes in on crutches he's really starting to feel stronger pray for him again go away the next Sunday comes in and he's walking with a walking stick he's not a believer doesn't have faith in Christ yet but the power of tasting and seeing God's goodness is having an impact starts bringing his whole family his kids his, everybody's coming in they're all coming something's happening here we're tasting and seeing the goodness of God eventually came to a point where he wanted to put his faith in Christ we baptized him we baptized members of his family and shortly afterwards, he said to me, he's still, still ill with the cancer, and he said, I have been estranged from a whole side of my family, my siblings and that, for years, for over 30 years. We fell out and I haven't talked to them. They live in Australia. I know that I need to go and reconcile with them. So he gets on a plane, flies all the way to Australia, meets this family that he's been distanced from and completely removed from hasn't spoken to them for years and they reconcile he says please forgive me for what's been between us for all these years they reconcile two days later he goes into hospital in Australia and dies now to me that is he stepped into the presence of Jesus straight after that hasn't he spending eternity with Jesus what an incredible story of restoration of salvation to a whole family because of this space that was created in a high street Jesus is passionate about those kind of things and so are we and, you know, we all have this mandate, I believe, to carry the heart of Jesus in that, to individually create these little zones, these spaces of safety for people to engage with, inviting people in, lavishing them in welcome, in honor, in dignity, in saying we're so pleased you're here in this space. The way I see it, like Jesus cleared the tables of trading so that he could lay a table of his goodness and invites people to that feast. And we get to do that all the time. We get to create those spaces in our own homes, inviting people in, showing generous hospitality, saying, I'm making space here for you just to taste and see God's goodness and I'm going to do it by showing you dignity by being interested in your story by entering your your circumstances by showing you the love and the compassion but it's not just physical spaces I believe we can do it through creating relational spaces with people anywhere you don't need a house you don't need a dining table to do it we can create these spaces at the school gate. You know, as we're standing there, we might just recognize there's some people on the outside. You know, maybe there's cliques of people who all chat and we notice someone new. We invite them in, we bring them in, we create a safe space. Maybe at the school gate, there's a, a kind of 
tendency towards negativity, people are moaning and complaining, we decide we're going to create this safe space, we're going to push that out, and we're going to create this conversational space that's positive, that's affirming, that draws people in, that asks them sincere questions about their, their story, their life, what's going on. We create these spaces for people to step in and maybe just experience something of who God is through the way that we love them and show interest and care. We can create those spaces in our workplaces, in our offices, at the water cooler, on a bus seat, talking to the passenger next to us, um, in the coffee queue, you know, talking to the person in the counter behind, in Sainsbury's, talking to the security guard at the door. Anyway, we can be people who carry this mandate to create these spaces that Jesus is passionate about, that just pushes out all the other stuff, says right now in this moment, you're what matters. And I'm going to give you my full time and attention. I'm going to show you honor and dignity. Here I am for you. This is a space where you can experience something of God. We can even create that opportunity for people to taste and see God by essentially creating the opportunity for them to simply look at our lives, to share our own lives with them and our stories. I don't mean that they look at us and go, gosh, aren't they blessed? I wish I were like them. Not just that, but how do we respond to suffering and pain? We invite people in and we say, come and watch me. Come and watch me worship God through my loss, through my grief, through my trauma. Watch how I process stress and pressure and uncertainty. Just taste and see what that's like, what that looks like. I'm inviting you in to this space that I've created. So we get to do that. So questions for us to think about as we consider that are, who are those people who God might be calling us to create space for. And, you know, people who maybe wouldn't associate with the inner court of our lives, maybe don't hold the same values, beliefs, not in the same relational circles or life spaces or stages or economic background. You know, they're just in a different space and it would be hard for them to step into that inner court. But you're creating space for them. Who are they? And what could that space look like for you? As a church and as a people, we're committed to doing that. And one of the ways we're doing that is, is pressing into creating these spaces through our partnership with CAP, Christians Against Poverty. I wanted to share all that because I want you to understand the heart behind it. This is not about us running some nifty courses that maybe help people with finances and life skills and uh, that kind of stuff. That is not what it's simply about. It's the heart behind it that we create spaces where people can step in. Maybe the, the, the doorway is their debt. Maybe the doorway is that they're struggling to cope with an addiction or their life is chaotic and they're asking for help. But we create spaces where people can step in and experience, taste and see that God is good. He cares about their lives, their circumstances, and he has real answers to feed them with. 
And so a few weeks ago, we introduced um, our, our CAP courses, talked about us becoming a CAP church. But we want to just articulate how much we're behind it and who we are. And so this morning, as Bill mentioned, we're going to watch a couple of videos. One is of Anne Mather, who's a member of our church, who's running uh, courses for us. And we'd love you to hear from her and consider if it's one of the things God is calling you to step into to help create that space. Would you do that? Not just to help run the course, but maybe even to provide childcare for people attending the course because you're creating a space where the children themselves can encounter the goodness of God. And then we're going to watch a second video that's produced by CAP as an organization, just sharing someone's story and illustrating the power of exactly what I've been talking about. So let's take a little while, watch these videos, and then Bill is going to come up and help us respond to that. Thanks for listening. So I am here with Anne Mather. Anne is a member of our church family and she heads up the life skills course and the money course and is involved with the food bank in Guildford. And uh, she's here to talk a little bit about CAP with us. So Anne, first of all, thank you for being with us. It's great to have you. Just talk to us first. What is Christians in Poverty? Well, thank you, Bill. It's lovely to be here. And I'm sorry I'm not going to be at the service on Sunday. Um, Christians Against Poverty, CAP as it's known, uh, is a beacon of light for those in a dark place. Um, showing God's love in action uh, gives people a sense of relief. Um, it gives people someone to walk alongside them and it gives people hope. And that's what we try and do. And even in affluent Guildford, there are pockets of significant poverty and people who are really struggling with debt, with unemployment, um, trying to make low incomes go further. And it's much more difficult, in fact, here than it would be in some of the other areas because everybody else seems to be doing fine and everybody seems to be coping. And to take off the mask and admit that you are vulnerable and that you need help is very difficult. Mm. But free help is available. It's available through CAP. Mm. And um, it's, it just gives people hope. Mm. And so, I mean, it sounds amazing. How is this done? Well, CAP is a wonderful Christian organization that was founded 25 years ago by a man called John Kirkby. Uh, it's helped, it helps about 25,000 families a year. Wow and it is life-changing. Mm. Um, it's funded by and works through local churches. Mm. Um, and the, um, it's got four main services that it provides. Mm. It provides the debt counselling that a lot of people will probably have heard of. Mm. It provides job clubs. Yeah. It provides money management courses. And it provides life skill courses. Mm. Uh, all of these are available in Guildford. And they're available to anybody, whether you're in debt or not. The only one is, that is for people in debt is obviously the debt counselling. Mm. Um, it's CAP's 25th anniversary in Guildford. Wow. Sorry, 10th anniversary wow. in Guildford this year. Yeah. Um, we're celebrating. Uh, the debt centre is run from the URC in Westborough. Yeah. 
and that does what it says on the packet. It helps yeah. people negotiate with creditors to get yeah. incomes that they yeah. to get payments they can cope with. The job clubs um, that's based at Millmead Baptist yeah. Church, and that. Uh, helps people write CVs with interview skills, but almost more importantly, it helps them work out what their strengths are mm. and uh, what employers are looking for. So mm. that's a great course. Uh, the money management course uh, is run by a number of churches in Guildford. This is a particular sort of financial course. It looks in depth at what people are spending their money on mm. Um, and helps them work out a balanced budget that they can stick to. And finally, there is the one that Emmaus Road is yeah. partnering with, and that's the Life Skills yeah. Church course. So, so and, I mean, they are all, I know, having heard some of the stories, incredible courses. Just, we are so excited about the Life Skills course. Uh, just talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Right. Well... Um, it's a very practical eight-week course. It's fun, it's friendly, uh, it's in a confidential environment yeah. so people can open up as much as, yeah. or as little as they want. It focuses again on four areas. There's the planning, planning yeah. of your money, your shopping, your meals. It's money, which is sorting out your needs and your wants. Mm. What are your priorities? Mm what bills have to be paid and how to make, mm. it gives tips on how to make your money go further. Brilliant. Uh, health and well-being, so self-esteem, yeah. um, mental well-being yeah. and um, healthy eating. Yeah. So often parents go without so the children can eat yeah. and it, actually it's the time when you need to be strong. Yeah. Uh, and the final section is relationships. Mm. Um, so often problems occur amongst people because they don't communicate well. They don't hear mm. what the other person is mm. saying. They can't say, um, I don't understand. No, mm. I love you. Sorry. Yeah. And so we try and help them do that. And it really changes lives, the life yeah. skills course. For example, there was a gentleman a couple of years ago his wife had just died of cancer uh, and he was left with three children. Mm. She had dealt with all the finances and all the household things and he didn't have a clue. Mm. Um, with the help of the Life Skills course, he has started a new life mm. and he is one of our biggest fans. Oh, um, another lady, she didn't realise how much she was spending on alcohol mm. until she did the Life Skills course she realised and decided she was going to cut down mm. and that had two beneficial effects. One was she had more money to spend yeah. but the other was that her relationship with her husband was pretty rocky mm. and now that she wasn't drinking so much actually their relationship is on mm. much better footing. The final example I'd tell you about is a lady she was a subject of domestic violence mm. she was moved to Guildford where she knew nobody mm. Um, she was in debt, mm. she wanted to get a job uh, and she couldn't manage her money. So she accessed the job club, the debt counselling service and the life skills mm. and I'm delighted to be able to say that at the end of these she has become a Christian. 
Oh, fantastic. So we do a very gentle sort of yeah. evangelism. I mean, hearing how people's lives are being changed by this, and this is the point, mm. is so inspiring and so encouraging. So if there's someone watching this who thinks, I, I really, how, how do I get involved in this? What would you say? To, how, how can they get involved? I would love to hear from anybody who would like to be involved. Um, I need volunteers, mm. volunteers who are prepared to facilitate, volunteers who are trained to be leaders. Mm. Um, I need creche helpers, uh, and I need people to pray for us, to mm. pray in the planning of the courses as we try and recruit people and uh, for the courses themselves. Mm. And if anybody actually wants to come on one of the courses, they too are very welcome. Right. And how would they do that? Is, didn't they sign up? They would, uh, yes, they would sign up on my website, which is annmather at caplifeskills.org. Right. Or they would ring me. Okay. Um, there are some flyers outside okay, at great. the end of the Brilliant. service Brilliant. that people can access Brilliant. with the phone number. And I think they've got the email address. And on. we can put it. We'll make sure it's. We'll yes. make sure it's on the website so that Great. if people want Thank to you. do that, they can do that as well. Yes, please. I mean, this is all so exciting, but we recognise that without prayer, these, you know, that, that prayer is where the life for these courses kind of comes in, like God breathes on them. So, what are the things that we can pray for? Well, I think it's uh, very simple. <laughs> that CAP becomes an integral part yeah. of Emmaus Road yeah. and of the Social Transformation yeah. Programme, um, that the con congregation adopt CAP, yeah. that they support CAP, yeah. and that they get involved. Yeah. Those are really, if we can do that, we should be able to reach out to far Brilliant. more people in Guildford. Brilliant. Brilliant. And there's a challenge in there, isn't there, for us, which is we can pray these things, but sometimes we need to be the answer to our own prayers. So, of course, we must pray that um, CAP really gets kind of enmeshed in social transformation. Yes. But also, you know, we want the congregation to get a vision for this. And, mm -hmm. and um, so we're going to pray for that to happen. But also that means that if you're watching this and you think, Do you know what, I have got a vision for this, uh, we will work out ways of connecting you with Anne and her team so that you can be the answer to the prayer that we're praying. So I would like to end yeah. by saying a big thank you to you, Bill, and to the Emmaus Road leadership for partnering for CAP, with CAP for this. I think it's very exciting that we can be part of the Social Transformation mm. Programme. It's not only for us, but it's giving the clients some support, some tools in their lives to know that they can do this, but that God is with them. God mm. is walking with them. God loves them just as they are, wherever they are, in whatever dark situations they're in. And it's about giving people hope. Mm. Mm. Well, shall we finish by praying? Yes. Can I pray? Father, we thank you for cap christians against poverty we thank you for the stories we've heard about people whose lives have been changed whether it's through the money course the life skills course um, or the job club and father we thank you that as emmaus we get the privilege of partnering uh, with cap and we want to lift up to you this life skills course particularly lord that you would have your hand over that that, that you would use that to change many many people's lives and draw them after yourself to give them a fresh sense of hope 
again. And Father, we want to pray for Anne and the whole team, that you would pour your spirit on them, that you'd anoint them and empower them for everything that you are going to do through them. And we thank you in advance for all the lives that are going to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.